Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the welcome back to the Way of Holiness podcast. In the final, let's see. No, this is is this the final week of January? Uh, it's is no, no next no. to final. We're getting close. And here's the odd thing. This is a side note. It is not only bitterly cold right now outside. <laughs> <laughs> It's pretty cold inside this room right now, too, and I'm the only one that didn't wear a jacket over here. However, if you compare the temperature inside this room to outside that door, it's not much different. different. You think it's that much different? All I know is it was 15 degrees this morning when I was pumping gas. Yeah, and this might be 18 degrees in this room oh, right now. Oh, no. This is a balmy 42 or something. Uh, yeah, this is nice. No, it's still cold. It's still cold. <laughs> <laughs> but... Here's the interesting thing. We are recording on January 22nd, Monday, and by the time this comes out on Thursday, I think it's going to be up around 70 degrees. Yes. Incredible. 70 degrees in January. This is why people in North Carolina get sick. Sick of North Carolina? Or just sick, period. We're just sick people. Yeah. Man, that's sick. <laughs> Word. Ain't that what they say? <laughs> well, anyway, uh, this is Mike Barnett and Corey Cantrell here with you on the Way of Holiness. We have we have deemed ourselves your trail guides on the way. Yeah. Follow us as we follow Christ. The moment you see us diverting from that, <laughs> just go on with Jump Jesus. Jump ship. <laughs> yeah. But also today, as you've already probably seen in the uh, the notes, because I'm sure everybody reads the about the episode before it happens, and you've heard the voice of our friend John Alves from Brazil. Welcome, John. Oh, thank you so much, Pastor Barnett, Pastor Corey. For me, it's an honor for me here with you all. And I have been already blessed to be around y'all. We've been having a good time. You've been here with us for a week now. Actually, a little, a little over a week. Yes, about one week and three, four days, something like that. In the course of all the conversations we've been having, we have successfully identified numerous problems and solved not a single one. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. But our heart's been in the right place. Yes, Lord, help us. Well, we wanted to, we asked you to be here. We were going to have you with us. So mm -hmm. this is the backstory to all this. You were going to be here. We obviously we wanted to have you back with us. You were with us on the Code of Man podcast one time. Mm -hmm. And now that we have the Way of Holiness podcast, you're in town because we don't get you from Brazil very often. So we were going to have you here. Well, we ended up landing on this topic today. Two things that were the catalyst for this. First of all, First Sunday when you were here, you preached a sermon in the church on the foundation of our identity in Christ. Mm -hmm. And your text was Psalm 11 and verse 3, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Mm -hmm. And then you asked our church a question. Do you remember the question? And what was it? How many of you are righteousness? Mm -hmm. How many of you are righteousness? And then there was what reaction? The only one that raised their hand was the pastor. <laughs> <laughs> Which, now, if you're listening, you might have an interpretation of that. But there was, it was like a crickets moment. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Nobody knew what to do. Right. Yes. That's a big question. How many of you are righteous? And there's a whole combination of thoughts and feelings that probably were going around the room of anywhere between you know, well, I can't say that I'm not righteous to. Does he really want me to raise my hand? You know, and exactly. so there's all that mixture. But you know, your text was very—it was a profound mm -hmm. presentation of that text. 
if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? The question there is, who are these righteous people? David says there's righteous people. Exactly. Well, if they're not God's people, who are they? Exactly. And then the second thing that happened that brought us to do the podcast on this was the very next day we were sitting in my office drinking coffee. All three of us were there. And I asked you a question that Corey and I had been discussing that morning. I asked you, why are there no young people being called today? Why are there no young people that are surrendering their life mm -hmm. to follow Christ and serve him in the mission field or the ministry in the way that I think all of us relate to because we were young when we surrendered to the Lord. We were young adults. I think, I think you were a teenager when mm -hmm. you first surrendered, but and and maybe you were a teenager, yeah, seventy years old. So you guys surrendered quicker than I did, but I was twenty. But I'm thinking by the time I was twenty four and John, you were twenty one, we uh -huh. met in Brazil, yes, leading teams on missions uh -huh. in Brazil, yes. And you look at today and you say, where is that? Why is that not happening? And those two things, coffee on Monday, preaching on Sunday, <laughs> led us to, let's talk about this statement you made on Sunday morning in the service. You said, we have an identity crisis, crisis. in the church. Exactly. So, we have an identity crisis in the church today. How are those two things connected? The, the fear of saying, I'm righteous and the lack of people being called. And you think about how those two things come together. We have this loss of devout followers of Jesus surrendering their whole life to go and serve, the loss of the foundation of righteousness. How are those things connected? So, Pastor, I was, you know, during the years, I have been thinking about that, you know. This subject is very uh, important. And I believe that, that let's put this way. I believe uh, the crisis. Also, we can see a crisis in the world. Uh, I believe I started to know about that during the sermon. Also, mm -hmm. that uh, most of the uh, the human being they are living in a crisis. Also, uh, you know, we know uh, what is the crisis. They don't have the the the, the young people, the teenagers. Uh, mom and dad, you know, in the society, you know, look like even then they lost their identity. Their identity. I mean, a man be a man, a woman be a woman, daddy being a daddy, a mom be a, a mom, you know. Uh, and unhappy, you know, and now thinking about the church. Uh, and I see, you know, also that uh, most of the Christians, and let's think about the Christianity, uh, the, the one that are 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 saved in Christ Jesus. I I believe you know they lost their identity in Christ. The foundation, like I I read that verse you know in the in the church that morning, if the foundation be destroyed, what can can the righteous do? Mm -hmm. So all Christians they have a a foundation, and that foundation is our Jesus Christ. He made us righteousness with Christ. In Christ, we are uni united with Christ. So uh, I believe, you know, most of the Christians they don't know. Okay, we are saved. We are. Uh, we prayed, and I'm I'm on my way to heaven. But they they don't live, you know, the abundant life that Christ gave for to us. Mm -hmm. They don't live the fullness fullness of 
uh, of Christ, you know, they don't realize what did happen to their life. It's not just, okay, I'm saved, I'm here in the church, I came here to sing, uh, to worship the Lord, and I go home, and that's it. No, they don't have that strong relationship with the Lord. But that start understanding uh, their identity in Christ. The foundation is being righteousness. So mm -hmm. everybody is saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. They put the faith in the work of Christ on the Calvary. Uh, he became righteousness in Christ. So you don't have to be afraid. So we can see uh, only by that, you know, act of afraid to raise the hand, you know, am I a righteousness? Am I a sinner? Am I a miserable sinner? What I, so this is a crisis. I can see it's a crisis. Even the Christian, they don't know what is the, their position in Christ. So that's that's something that that's a root that we can see. Uh, that if right, if the Christian and the child of God they don't know where are their position, how they will be called by God. They will, they will not be sensitive to the Holy Spirit mm -hmm. to know the uh, uh, their calling. Uh, they will not be. Uh, they will not understand what is the blessings that that are upon their life. Jesus made us, you know, his child of God. He made us his friend. He made us uh, a priest, uh, high, a priesthood. Uh, he made us uh, kings uh, in this earth. So we are here to represent Christ. We have the mind of Christ. And most of the Christians are unhappy. They don't realize, you know, what did happen to their life. So there, the crisis could be called a crisis of confidence, uh -huh. yeah. I don't have confidence. Exactly. There's almost this feeling, it seems to be among a lot of people in church and our Christian friends who we love and we care about and we want to uh -huh. help them, but there's this, there's almost this sense of, yeah, I did ask Jesus to save me and I'm going to heaven when I die, but between then, between back then and that point where he takes me to heaven, I'm kind of on my own. Exactly. I got to do life, you know? Here's a here's is it all right if I paraphrase the Bible? Would I get in trouble with anybody? Nah, as long as you uh, preface it that this is a paraphrase, okay. it's okay. <laughs> here's a paraphrase. I'm going to read this paraphrase. Okay. <laughs> and then I want you to tell me where you what you what verse you think it's paraphrasing. Okay. Okay. This is for both of you. God's care for humanity was so great that He sent His unique Son Son among us, so that those who count on Him might not lead a futile and failing existence but have the undying life of God in himself. Hmm. That's a John 3.16 paraphrase right yes. there? Yes. Wow. But listen to that last part of it. Those who count on him, Jesus, mm -hmm. God's son, those who count on him might not lead a futile and failing existence, but have the undying life of God himself. Now, wow. most people hear John 3.16, as it is in the Scripture, say, you know, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth on him should mm -hmm. not perish but have everlasting life. You believe on Jesus and you get saved and you have everlasting life. Mm -hmm. we, we don't understand the text. We don't understand the words of Jesus. No, the promise is that as we now count on him, believe on him uh -huh. daily, live with him, abound in him, we're not living futile, failing lives. We are actually 
experiencing the life of God himself in us. Amen. Well, and so much of what we've already identified, knowledge is definitely the key. Even hearing you say that, like I know what what so often my interpretation of everlasting life was, and I'm I'm beginning to understand more and more that what I meant by everlasting life was actually everlasting existence. Like I will I will continue to function. I will continue to have, you know, energy going through me. But existence is astronomically different than living. You couldn't wait to get to heaven and sing for 10,000 years. <laughs> oh, man. But, but, I mean, you think about that. There's a lot of people that are existing, like their body is functioning, but they have no quality of life. Mm-hmm. Like they're, they are, we would, we would say they're in a vegetative state. But yet I've seen we, a few of those in church. <laughs> yeah, we have a lot of yes. spiritual vegetables, mm-hmm. a lot of people who have life inside of them because they really have given their, their heart to Jesus but they're not really living. They're merely, they're merely existing, and they've missed out on. No, Jesus has offered us life, vibrant existence exactly. to to go into and and accomplish things, not merely just continue to breathe for eternity. Exactly, Pastor. And Jesus said, you know, in John seven, uh, John chapter seventeen, uh, verse three, what is the eternal life? And this is life eternal that they might know thee, the only true God in Jesus Christ, who thou hast sent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So eternal life is not only when we get you know, to heaven. Okay, I got saved. Now I am uh, on my way to heaven. And I forget that we must know Jesus while we are living yeah. here in this earth. There's a word that all of us have k- keep using here, knowledge. Mm-hmm. Knowledge. Know and knowledge. There is something about knowledge. So your text, which I have, even just thinking about it as we're recording, I've come to appreciate that text in the way you preached it. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Because 99 times out of 100, if we've ever heard that text preach, it's (laughs) here in the States. It's some preacher saying, look around. They're destroying the foundations of our Judeo-Christian values. We're a Christian nation. They're destroying our foundations. And I want to say to those preachers, what are you talking about? They cannot destroy the foundation no. of who I am. My, my citizenship is in yeah. heaven. I am in Christ. So I love the way you preached that text and brought it there. But let me add one to it. Uh-huh. Hosea 4, 6, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Exactly. Let me add one more to it. Where there is no vision, mm-hmm. the people perish. And did you pay attention, Pastor, what uh, David said, you know, if, he used the word if, you know, by that time, you know, he did not understand uh, uh, all these things about uh, foundation was just a shadow for them. Mm-hmm. So, but for us, that is in Christ. We're not talking about uh, theological uh, knowledge. We are talking about truth. Yeah. You know, and he used that word if the foundation be destroyed. And I'm glad that he used that word if, you know, because Satan used, you know, many of many times, if you are the son of God, uh, you know, if you are the son of God, uh, uh, turn this bread in, uh, these stones in bread. So that foundation never, never can be destroyed. Yeah. The foundation that we are 
the blood of Jesus Christ, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, never can be destroyed and praise the Lord for that. And on over this foundation that we built our uh, relationship with Christ, we built our, uh, that's another phase of the, the, the message, but the sermon, but on this foundation, we build our labors for Christ. Everything, you know, being this foundation. Gold, silver, and everything like that, you know. We will build in this foundation of Christ, not out of that. I, could, I was trying to think of what that verse comes from about the vision, where there are no vision, the people perish. I was rolling my Rolodex in my brain. <laughs> I found it. I had to look with some technical help, but Proverbs twenty nine eighteen, Because that... Everything you just said that when we have that foundation, we 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 can build on that exactly. But if we don't see the foundation or we don't know uh-huh. what it is, we're probably not building. Mm-hmm. We're not building anything that is sustainable or life giving. We're certainly not abiding in Christ, Christ and bringing forth fruit that glorifies the Father. Uh-huh. So exactly. we can be in Christ in the sense of we've been born again and we are we are secure in Him. You know, we are as good as. Eternally saved, right? Because we're in Jesus, and yet not abide in Jesus where we're experiencing abundant life. We're experiencing the power of God's life in us, helping us to live. You know, and you are. If you don't have that, what do you have? Mm-hmm. If I don't have the life of God in me, working in me, I'm going to have to raise my children in my own strength. Exactly. Yeah. I'm going to have to love my wife in in just in the power I have, and, mm-hmm. and whatever else, just Fill in the blank. So we need this. We need the, we need the to know that foundation that we are righteous and what He says about us. We need to have that knowledge that Scripture and the Holy Spirit are offering us, and we need to have that vision. The vision is to see Jesus Himself, yes. to keep our eyes on Him because He is ultimately He is the fulfillment of all our foundation. See, Pastor, everything starts you know on this foundation, the way of holiness. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, uh, when I am on that foundation, I get, when I realize, when I am conscious that I am, you know, on this uh, foundation of Christ, I receive all the blessings, all the power. I can do everything in Christ that strengthens me, you know. And also, that's the way for holiness to understand. For example, if I am in crisis, that I am not righteousness and I am in that foundation, how can I be holy? Because this work also of holiness and capacity to be holy is not in my own strength, like you said. You know, mm-hmm. I cannot love my uh, wife in my own strength. I cannot, you know, teach my children in my own strength. I cannot live, you know, in a, a pure life here in this world mm-hmm. in my own strength everything you know like that is by the grace of God and I must be conscious that I am a righteousness in Christ without without that foundation and that power and that life our typical response to trouble in life is to run from it and hide or fight like the fight or flight thing kicks in because we have nothing else. So if I feel like there's this problem that's crowding me, then man, I'm going to I'm going to put up my resistance and I'm going to fight. You're going to cause me trouble, you know, when I, I or I just see a problem with my marriage. 
Mm-hmm. And what do I do? I just hide from it. I just leave it alone. I just hope for the best. I Because I have no boldness. I have no strength. I have no connection to the truth of God to help me engage mm-hmm. with that problem in my marriage or with my children. And I'm going to tell you something. Man, if you, if you don't have... Of course, I, I'm going to interrupt myself here. I started to say, if you don't have that power in you, you're going to get steamrolled. <laughs> but I actually wonder if... If we live that kind of passive Christianity where we do not have a foundation and we just hide all the time, maybe it's not like being steamrolled because really the enemy doesn't have to steamroll you. No, it's not like a steamroller. I would think it's more like a cancer that just kind of slowly, it it accomplishes the same end. It just takes a whole lot longer to get there. Or like the old uh, tuberculosis back in the the days where yeah. you know that was taking out people it was a it was an inevitable death yes. it was just a matter of when not if but you could prolong it you could mask a lot of the symptoms you could for all intents and purposes still live a life you could medicate yeah i mean i know it's a carnal illustration but you think of doc holiday and you could still do a lot of stuff with tuberculosis you can gamble drink <laughs> shoot <laughs> i mean do a do a lot of different stuff but i think what came to my mind while while you were talking that there's a difference in fighting in my marriage or fighting with my children and fighting for my marriage or fighting for my children. And I cannot fight for anything else unless I am secured in my identity in Jesus to where I know that's where I'm operating from. To where now all of a sudden, hey, when I roll up my sleeves to engage, my spouse is not my enemy. My child is not my enemy. But the darkness that is trying to ravage my spouse and my children is my enemy. And so I'm going to confidently engage in this warfare because I know I know who I am in Jesus. I know who my loved ones are in Jesus. Like I I know their identity in Christ. And so I'm going to go toe-to-toe with the enemy, not in my own power, Mm -hmm. but in the strength of Christ in me. There's uh, another important phrase that I'm hearing again, and, and it's scriptural, in Christ, in Jesus. Mm-hmm. Let me give you two passages of Scripture that I think are good foundation for this discussion also, but listen for that phrase, that phraseology of in Christ, in Jesus. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 30 and 31. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and mm-hmm. sanctification and redemption. You want to talk about identity. Exactly. In Christ, I am all those things. Why? Because Christ has made those things in me. That according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Now, Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 through 10. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith. You could say established in him. As ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. Okay, let's back up a minute off of that. Because when we were talking about why are young people not being called today? You and I were discussing this. I think this is before you come in the room or you had to leave, uh, Corey. But John and I were discussing the reasons. And 
Remember, you said the first couple reasons you gave is because you weren't sure how far I wanted to go in that discussion. So you said, well, we need to preach to challenge them. Amen. We do. Number two, you said, the church, and I love this, and I shared this in the church this week. You said that the, the church in Acts, they were praying when, yeah. when the Holy Spirit said, separate me, Saul and Barnabas. And the importance of being a church that really prays, not just talks about praying, exactly. but prays. Pray. And so people were called because of the prayers of the church. But then we got down to the real bottom line. I said, you know, I think, too, you think about that early church culture and people were responding to the gospel. People seem indifferent to the gospel today. And then I said, no, wait a minute. That's wrong. Nobody's indifferent to the gospel. Our culture's indifferent to Christianity. Mm-hmm. Christianity is powerless to help anybody. If we would stop presenting Christianity and preach the real and present the real gospel, yes. this would change people's lives. Yes. Well, that's what we're in right here. See, this is the real gospel. This is the gospel that says, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord. But there's more. You know, I've received Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Hallelujah, that's great, but there's more. More than that. There's so much more. Now you're rooted and built up in him, established in the faith. Ye are complete in him. That's the gospel. And we lack that, therefore we have no confidence, no sense of calling. We don't know the voice of God. Called where? Just tell me where to give my money. You know? Yeah. And, And that's, I think that's the big loss here. It's a it's connected the the lack of the true gospel, the lack of people being called, the lack of a foundation in Christ. And it comes, Pastor, like for you know in Colossians chapter two verse two, the Apostle Paul tells this is verse is very uh, rich. You know, look look what what he ha- he he says they, that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding. I like this this part. Unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding. Understanding. Full assurance of understanding. To the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hide all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Mm-hmm. I believe here, you know, the Apostle Paul is already praying and asking the Lord to open the heart of the Colossians, you know, to understand also about about this, this uh, life, you know, Let's put this way, this abundant life in Christ. Mm-hmm. Okay, we are righteousness. Now I understand I'm righteous. I'm righteousness in Christ Jesus. I am a child of God. So the Christian life is much more than uh, my life that I'm living now. I know, I get to know, I must know Jesus Christ more. Because we see here, you know, uh, uh and all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the acknowledgement. So we see here, we again, the Apostle Paul is even teaching, you know, the Colossians also to understand, you know, the assurance 
how to be in Christ. You're pushing me into, you know, answering the question: What can we do about exactly. this? Exactly. This is the yeah. Part of because what, number one, we we've got to keep teaching this. So even talking about this today is so important. So to the five million listeners that we have every week, we we can help them. And I'm being a little funny when I say that, but <laughs> however many people will ever hear this discussion, this is for this is an offering to everybody that listens to say this is the truth that you need. So we have to keep teaching this. And as you just said, the Apostle Paul was praying for those people. Exactly. You know, I think that is as much a help for me as the one I'm trying to teach if I will pray for them. Mm-hmm. And praying, we, we have to keep praying for the church to come to this knowledge. And then I we have to keep living it. Mm-hmm. So we got to just keep living it, and, and don't don't quit, and don't surrender. Don't surrender to the enemy. Don't surrender to the scoffer. Don't surrender to rejection. No, but just keep on doing it. The truth will win. Exactly. I the mean, truth. it's gonna it's gonna accomplish exactly. what it was sent forth to do. But my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And and you, know, we've talked about this before in the church and other podcasts that what who God was was uh, reprimanding in Hosea when he said that were, were the priest. He was saying to the priest, to the ones who should be teaching the people, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge, and it's you, you uh-huh. priest, who rejected knowledge, and because of that, I reject you. Now, thinking about something you said before we came in here, how much of what goes for preaching today is a man that gets in a pulpit, reads a text, basically lays the Bible aside and spends the rest of the time telling stories, making people laugh, making people cry, getting them to make emotional decisions, and people say, whoa, what a preacher, what a message. And I'm wondering if because these preachers of our generation have rejected knowledge, God has rejected them. Mm-hmm. And they're now operating and ministering in their own power with their own gifting, but without the touch of God. Yes. Having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. And all the time claiming, oh, we got the power of God on us. What? Where? Where, when your people are sitting in their pews, dead to this joy, dead to this abundant life and this knowledge, there's no thirst, thirst. there's no hunger, there's no searching. And Mm -hmm. it's got to start with the pulpits Mm -hmm. and the teachers and the podcast or whatever, right? It's got to start there, and we've got to get this out there. I'll tell you... I tell you, Satan has to hate a conversation like this. Assurance sure. of understanding. Assurance mm. of understanding. Every day, you know, the Christian must get up understanding that he is righteousness in Christ. He is holy in Christ. Of course, you know, we have to be a way of awakening, you know, way a way of uh, you know, the scene, everything like that. But we must get up in the morning every day to be assurance that we are righteousness in the eyes of God. We are, Jesus is our holiness. Jesus is our, uh, is our, our knowledge and everything like that. We see here in the verse of, of Colossians, you know, that uh, unt all riches of the full assurance of understanding. Mm. I believe, Pastor, that we, you know, uh, you know, we, we go back to that, you know, morning. How many of you are righteousness? 
I, you know, should not be afraid. That's not assurance. Right, yeah. yes. That's not assurance of understanding. So look like, you know, the people, they don't know. They don't have the knowledge even who they are. So why do we have, you talk about a crisis now. There's been a long time crisis of people having struggles and doubts about their salvation. Yes. I, I, they don't have assurance of their salvation. Well, of course not. If all they've been given is, did you pray and ask Jesus into your heart? Yes. Did you mean it? Yes. But I, I don't have assurance. Well, no wonder. They've not been taught how to have that assurance in the Lord. Well, and so many times we have followed up the, did you ask Jesus? Did you do this? And then we'll say things like, well, there should have been a dramatic change in your life. Excellent. And then you've got somebody that's like, yeah, but I mean, I, I still find myself sinning a whole lot more than I want to. So I, I must not have that dramatic change. Like, I must not have really gotten saved. And we have failed to teach that it's not an instantaneous process. Your, your birth into the family of God is instantaneous. You are made as righteous in God's eyes as you will ever be. But there's still a lot of baggage that comes with mm-hmm. that. And there's a lot of there's a lot of first John chapter number three that has to take place in our life. There's a lot of that purifying of ourselves. There's a lot of that old man which has to get cut away so that the righteous man inside of me can blossom and manifest more and more. But I am right now a son of God. Amen. And Jesus is gradually over the course of my life cutting away more of that old stuff and when more of that old stuff resurfaces there's a little bit more of a cutoff but now i'm not i'm not doubting because well what was the dramatic change well the dramatic change is i actually care now i i care that there's stuff inside of me that i don't want to be there and that's a good thing because before christ i didn't care i wasn't concerned about it and, and and it's part of that we haven't taught the full counsel of God's Word, and I think because a lot of times we haven't fully understood it ourselves. So Colossians, uh, Colossians, Ephesians, Philippians. I guarantee you most people that are in church and familiar with Scripture can quote two, three key passages out of those letters. But very few people have ever been led into the depth of the riches of those letters. Mm-hmm. Those are what old-time Christians called mystical letters, mystical writings. You know, Paul's considered to be the first of the mystic Christians, and that's a scary word to some people. But basically, it mm-hmm. just means if you read what Paul's writing about in these letters, he was at a place of depth with Jesus, yes. that he was understanding the riches of his grace, at least as much as he could mm-hmm. in this life, right, to where he was. I want to go back to Colossians and and speak to to what you're just or rather not me speak to it, but I've invited another guest. I had to pull some strings to this one, but I got Andrew Murray ah. here today, and uh, mm. so that takes some doing to get <laughs> to get Andrew Murray here. But That's anyway, mystical. it is. So remember what Paul wrote in again Colossians two and verse six, and we're talking about assurance. Uh-huh. We're talking about how to have that confidence. Confidence. Even though we have things wrong with us and we sin, right? And people feel like, well, I, I didn't have that big change and I don't, why do I still sin? Okay. Abide in Christ, but it's the title of Andrew Murray's and book I'm holding. Pastor, I'm sorry. But also, probably people struggle with sin 
because they don't have that assurance and confidence. Oh yeah, yeah, it's a it's a crazy cycle. You yeah. know. <laughs> so you have Probably. to get the answer to that, which is, I believe it is a it is John fifteen. Jesus said, "Abide in uh-huh. me." Now, like a lot of the texts we've talked about already, everybody grabs that text and turns it into a salvation message. Yeah. Well, you know, when you get saved, you're abi- you're in Jesus. You're abiding in Jesus. No, sir. No, sir. You're held by Jesus. You're saved by Jesus. But that don't mean you're abiding in Jesus. There's a difference between abiding in Jesus and even abiding with Jesus. Yes. You know, I can be with you in the same room, but that don't mean I'm in you, right? Exactly. There's, yes. a, there's a difference. So... Colossians 2 6, as ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord. Remember when you asked Jesus to save you? Mm-hmm. As you received him, so walk ye in him. Mm-hmm. Now, here's what Andrew Murray says that'll fit right into all this. Talking about Christians who struggle with this understanding to firmly grasp the truth that they are justified by faith and that they are to live by faith. He says they have never understood what a perfect Savior Jesus is and how each day he will do for the sinner just as much as he did the first day when he came to him. They do not know that the life of grace is always and only a life of faith and that in the relationship to Jesus, the one daily and unceasing duty of the disciple is to believe because believing is the one channel through which divine grace and strength flow out into the heart of man. The old nature of the believer remains evil and sinful to the last. It is only as he daily comes empty and helpless to his Savior to Mm. receive his life and strength that he can bring forth the fruits of righteousness to the glory of God. That is so important. The old nature of the believer remains evil and sinful to the last. I don't care how long you've been saved. That old nature in you is not saved. It's evil and sinful till the last dying day. So the only way you can be an overcomer is daily come Uh empty and helpless to the Savior to receive his life and strength. That's the only way. You just bring yourself as you are every day. You come back tomorrow morning empty, helpless, broken, and say, Jesus, here I am again. As you received him the first time, continue in him and that's what's missing that's the lack we don't have the confidence so we got to keep teaching we got to keep praying we got to keep living this it's amazing to see you know uh andrew murray and a lot of of those authors you know in preachers in his ages you know they were teaching about you know all Mm -hmm. what we're talking about you know and actually you know they were not trying to uh, take back, you know, the the true identity in Christ that we we we, we are talking about the crisis, but by that time, you know, Jonathan Edwards and all others, uh, others, uh, uh, David Brennard, other preachers in that age, they were just that was just normal, you know, for them to preach to teach, you know, about about the the importance to depend on. Christ and his grace. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we go back and we read these old books, these yeah. old authors, and Murray was only like in the mid to late 1800s. I mean, we're only talking about yes. 130, 140 years ago. This was understood. This was, understood. This, this was the, and 
Murray was from uh, was he England, Scotland? South, I believe South Africa. South Africa. He he was teaching meat. This was meat, but the church was able to take it. Mm-hmm. So the crisis has happened, and that brings the question, which I think ask, answering this question will help us find some solutions. What brought this crisis? Okay, so I think because of the time that we've invested already in this discussion, which is really good, and I know we could keep going and going and going, uh-huh. we're going to go ahead and pause for this week and break, and then come back next week, and I think it'll be a good opportunity for us to, as we've talked about kind of what the problem is, this identity crisis, maybe next time we can talk about what are we going to do about it, how do we find the solutions okay. that we can offer to the church, and we'll expound on that some more. So, John, we'll keep you for a part two. Okay. And when we're done, you can go back to Brazil at your leisure. Okay, that would be my, my, my honor. That would be an honor and a pleasure, Pastor. All right. Well, thank, thank you, you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week.